The title of uh, this sermon series, of course, is on the screen, Focusing on Your Destiny. I believe that every person sitting in this room has a particular purpose, a particular purpose that God wants you to fulfill. Now, what I normally do uh, is I normally do a Christmas uh, sermon series during December, but as I was praying and asking the Lord what he wanted me to do, I sensed from him that he wanted me to get you ready for the new year. You know, a lot of times what we do is we uh, do a, a New Year's series in January, and the new year has already started. So this year, I want to I give you some things that I believe are going to help you, uh, help me, help us all, if we will practice them, have possibly the very best year uh, we have ever had in our life. The whole goal of this sermon series is to help you get a clear focus on your life. I want to help you to live your life through this sermon series as we learn these principles. I want to help you live your uh, life that God has given you to its full maximum potential in the year 2013. There is nothing more powerful than a focused life. There is nothing more powerful than a focused life. Maybe I should have added one word to that, and that would have made it truer. I don't know if you can be true and truer, but there is nothing more powerful than a focused Christian life, a focused Christian life. You know, light, light is a good example of the power of focus. When light is diffused, when light is, is not focused, it has very little or no power. But when you focus light with something like a little magnifying glass, light becomes very powerful. Some of you remember when you were kids how you tortured little bugs with a magnifying glass. And the altar will be open at the end of the service this morning for you to come and ask God to forgive you for what you did to little ants. How many guys, how many, I know the girls didn't do that, but you guys, yeah. Man, y'all are sadistic. But um, you remember how you would get, you know, uh, especially in the winter when the grass was dry, you could actually get the grass to smoke, and sometimes it would even burn, or you'd get a little piece of tissue. And what that magnifying glass did is it focused that light. God has blessed man with such knowledge that from light, he has created a laser, a laser beam. A laser beam can cut through steel. That's focused light right there, isn't it? That's focus. When you take that big beam of light and you bring it down to something as small as a pin, a pin, the head of a pin, and you create uh, you concentrate all of that light into that one little area, that focus, it can cut through steel. Some of you know, some of you may not know that uh, I am a cancer survivor, and I want to just praise God for that this morning, amen. Some of you are battling cancer right now. Some of you have loved ones who are battling cancer right now, and I want you to know we are praying for you. We're praying for your family. And uh, as a matter of fact, I want to just notify my prayer team this morning 
all of you who are on the prayer team who are present in this service and any of my staff members who are available. I, I was on the way here praying this morning and I just believe God wants us to pray for the sick at the end of the service today. So what we'll do is have everybody come up like we usually do. We'll have our closing song. And then if you have a physical need, if you'd like to be prayed for for a physical need, there's going to be people up here uh, to pray for you at the end of the service. One day, um, Dr. Uh, Cheryl Glover attends uh, our church. How many of y'all know Dr. Glover? How many of y'all go to Dr. Glover? How many of y'all are able to see me better because you go to Dr. Glover? Well, Dr. Glover's on our church board. He's been a friend and ha had a, a relationship with this church for many, many years. He and his family now come to our church. They're owners. He's on our church board, wonderful Christian family, uh, a wonderful man of God. And one day he was, I was in his office for a routine visit uh, to get my glasses uh, updated and he found a spot on my eye. And he said, Pharaoh, something's going on uh, on your eye. You can actually see it. It's a, it's a dark spot right next to my pupil on the color part of my eye. He said, and I want to send you to a doctor in Raleigh who is an expert in this area, and he's going to take a look at that. And when I got there, the, uh, not only was Dr. Glover a wonderful Christian doctor that I could go and, and have him um, help me, but when I got to Raleigh, Dr. Phil Martin was my doctor, and he is also a wonderful Christian man, a fantastic man of God, a very committed Christian. And um, he looked at my eye and he said, uh, he said, that is a malignant tumor. He said, and it is, um, it is on the front of your eye. He said, but I want to be real honest with you and tell you that when it shows up on the front of your eye, it usually uh, has already, is already on the back of your eye, and it is just now showing up on the front of your eye. And he said, uh, if it is on the back of your eye, he said, I'm going to have to remove your eye. We're going to have to remove your eye. Wow. <laughs> And uh, so I looked at him and said, say what? No, I looked at him and said, well, doctor, you do what you got to do. And uh, um, he ran all kinds of tests. And he said, you know what? I went back. He said, it's only on the front of your eye. It's only on the front. Yeah, hallelujah. Amen. So he said, what we're going to do is we're going to laser it. He said it's like, a, it's like a, a spider. He said it's got a, a center area, and then there are legs going out from it. He said, and what I've got to do, the first lady has arrived. <laughs> he said, it's what I do every time she comes in the house. And uh, so what, what he did, he lasered it, and then he had to laser each one of those little legs coming out from it and um, he is just an awesome doctor and and he just talked to me about that tool so I stand here before you today and I say thank God for focus amen <laughs> thank God for focus light and uh, God is saying to us in this series that you can have a life that is focused and when your life is focused it's going to be powerful. 
So we're going to talk about some things that I believe are going to be a great help to you. You see, the more focused your life is, the more impact you will have on others and the more impact you will have on situations that you go through and situations that other people go through. Here's what we're going to look at, some very important key areas of your life in this series. We're going to look at uh, getting ready in 2013 as it relates to your health. You know the Bible has a lot to say about your health. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about your wealth. Anybody interested in that one? Your wealth. And, and uh, you say, boy, it's tough times, Pastor. I know it is tough times, but God controls it all. He controls it all. And so we're going to talk about your career. We're going to talk about your uh, focused life as it relates to not only your health and your wealth and your career, but your family. How many need some focus in the area of time management? Anybody need some help there? i got to tell you all something. When I'm preaching on that one, I will be preaching to me. I'm telling you right there. We want to talk about focusing on your dreams, all these major areas. I want to help you in the weeks ahead to set some goals. We're going to talk about goal setting. We're going to talk about some things today, very practical things you can do to get your life focused for the new year. Listen to me, some of you really need this sermon series. I need this sermon series, but I'm telling you, a lot of us, our life is so diffused. Our, we're, we're running at whatever bell's ringing the loudest, we're running after that bell. And God is saying to Pharaoh Hardis and your pastor, and God is saying to you personally, and God is saying to this church, it is time to narrow your focus so that you become, can become more powerful. Can I just tell you today, and I know I've, I'm limited on my time this morning, but you can ask the people in the second service from last week. I'm not limited in the second service. But anyway, so I know why you people come to the early service. Because you know I got to quit. I may not. I can't. Hey, I just... Um, but we're going we're gonna to talk about, we're going to talk about as a church, can I just say some things to y'all? There's some things in our church that we're going to have to stop doing so we can get better at the things God's really called us to do. Now you say amen to that until I tell you it's your thing we're going to stop. Until I say, I'd say, I tell you what, man, as a church, we need to just cut some stuff out. Let's get really good at two or three things. I was, yeah, man, yeah, but don't touch my deal. I will, I'll go. It's just like our government. We need to cut back in our, we need to cut back. So we're going to cut back on your deal. No, I wasn't talking about my deal. Cut back on everybody else's deal but my deal. But we need to cut. Are y'all with me? So when we look at you and we look at a ministry, if we look at a ministry that just isn't working anymore, we're not going to rock that boat. We're going to sink it. <laughs> because it's just a method. How many of you know some ministries that used to work might lose their effectiveness now? And so we have to have the courage as a church not to make methods sacred cows in the church. I mean, talk about sacred cows. I went and preached in church one time, and, and uh, they had a Bible laying up on the pulpit. I, honest to good, this Bible uh, belonged to um, 
Bigfoot, I guess. This Bible, this Bible hung off the sides. And uh, I kept trying to preach, and I was putting my notes there, and they were sliding down, and then I'd push them back up, and they'd slide down. Finally, I went, guys, can you just wait a minute? And I set my notes over to the side, and I went, kagoosh. And I took that Bible and sit it over there and put my Bible on the stand. I might as well have gone home right then. Because somebody's grandma had given that Bible and decreed that it must always be on the pulpit. Of course, I proved to them it didn't have to always be on the pulpit, but they didn't like that. So we can, we can make things that are totally unimportant to God. We can make them like sacred cows to us, and they get in the way of what God's trying to do. Amen, amen? So as we narrow our focus as a church, so we're not so diffused, trying to do so many things. Some of you, uh, you know, a little upset when we stopped doing the Easter drama. Some of you a little upset when we stopped doing the uh, uh, fall festival and, you know, some other little things we've stopped doing. And I want to tell you that when we stop doing those things, they are simply so we can be better at other things. We can give our time, energy, and finances to other things that are more effective in reaching the lost. Can I just uh, tell y'all something? It ain't about you. It ain't about me. It's about the mission. And the mission is to win lost men and women, boys and girls, to Jesus Christ. And if that means setting aside a ministry or a method that used to be very effective, but it's not any longer as effective, and there's something we can do that's more effective in making the mission happen, what do y'all think we ought to do? We ought to set that thing aside and do that thing that's more effective. Now, I'm 56 years old. I look 35. I understand that. But change is a little harder for me than it used to be. But it's not about me. It's about the mission. It's about what God has called us to do. So we're going to just look at some setting some goals, making some plans for ourselves, for our family, for our church. And as your pastor, I want you to understand I'm committing myself to be a more successful Christian in 2013. Because I want your life, I want your family, I want this church to be more meaningful in the community and to those around us. I want us to be more successful and significant as we follow Christ and as we uh, follow uh, the purpose of his kingdom in this world. We're going to look at a story, a Bible story, a very interesting Bible story, and how that Bible story applies to our lives. It happened in uh, Genesis 24, Genesis chapter 24, and we're not going to read a lot of that. Uh, just jot that down, and what you want to do between now and next weekend is you want to read Genesis 24 and get familiar with that story because we're going to uh, get into that. Uh, it happened thousands of years ago, but it has a lot of implications for us today. Uh, Genesis 24 is a classic chapter in the Bible to study as it relates to having a dream for your life, as it relates to having a, a vision for your life, your business, your church, your ministry, your family, goals for your life, goals for your family, your church, your ministry. As a matter of fact, I was noticing as I read through this chapter that the word success is mentioned five times in this chapter. It's the story of Abraham. 
Abraham, the father of all Jews, and also the father of all Arabs as well. Because we know that Abraham became impatient with God, did not trust God, and so he thought he wasn't going to have any children with his wife Sarah and decided to father a son with his handmaiden, Hagar, and that son is Ishmael, and it is from Ishmael that the Arab nation exists today. And so we know Abraham's son, God, promised him his name was Isaac. And so now we have <laughs> the news is filled with war between the descendants of Isaac, the Jews, and the descendants of Ishmael, the Arabs. Uh, what consumes the news right now is because of Abraham's impatience with God, Abraham's disobedience to God. You know, I guess, you know, when Sarah turned 90, he began to have some doubts that they were going to have children. And uh, I got to tell you, man, Abraham's the man in my book. Okay. Um, <laughs> God promised Abraham that he would be the father of a great nation. So Abraham and Sarah finally had Isaac, and as time went on, uh, Isaac still hadn't married. Now, here's what Genesis 24 is about. Abraham's thinking, I don't have any grandchildren. I can relate to Abraham. I want me some grandchildren. And until I get me some grandchildren, I'm going to steal your grandchildren. That's why little grandchildren you have see me coming and they go, there's that creepy old guy that wants to kiss me all the time. But those children need to deal with it. And um, you need to teach it at home that you cannot stop me. They are going to get kissed by me till I get my own grandchildren. Amen, honey? Amen. So Abraham's thinking, I don't have any grandkids, and God's promised me a great nation. I think I'm going to have to have some grandchildren. And so he gets serious about this, and he calls in his servant Eleazar, and he sends Eleazar to Iraq, which is where Abraham was actually from, where Abraham came from, and he says, I want you to go find a wife for my son Isaac. Now, you might be sitting here this morning thinking, Pastor, what in the world does this have to do with me today? This passage has enormous application for your life, enormous implication for you, because in this mission, and I want you to hear me about what, uh, uh, with what I'm about to say, Eleazar does nine things. He does nine things that you need to do that will help you fulfill your goals, reach your dream, and to make the next year, 2013, the best in your life. Now, I'm going to give you one of those nine. Now, obviously, I'm going to have to give you more than one in the sermons to come. But in this initial introduction, I'm going to give you just one step. So God wants to get you to a certain place in 2013. God has a destiny for you. He has a destiny for your life overall, but he has a destiny for you in the year to come. And I want you to list these nine things. I want you to get these nine things that Eleazar did to make this dream, this vision, this calling from God come true. I want you to take note of them and apply them to your life as I promise you I will do as well. Step number one 
in order to get where you want to be, you got to determine where you are right now. If you're going to get where you want to be, you've got to have an accurate estimation of where you are right now. I mean, if I were to call you up and say, hey man, I'm coming over to your house. I heard you made Christmas candy. And I'm coming over to your house and I want to know how to get there. So tell me how to get there. What would be the first question out of your mouth? Where are you right now? Before I can tell you how to get where you want to be, where the peanut butter balls are, I got to know where you are right now or I can't tell you how to get to the candy. Amen. You can't figure out how to get where you want to be. You'll never figure out how to get where you want to be until you understand where you are at this point in your life. Before you can make any progress, you've got to know your present position. You've got to know your current condition. You've got to know where you are right now. So there are two questions that you need to ask yourself. You need to ask yourself, where am I now? And you know what? You might not be able to answer that. So you're going to have to fall on your face before God and say, God, I need you to be my GPS. How many of y'all thank God for GPS? Thank God. Sister Millie took a trip with Mitch and she said that that invention is of God. <laughs> because sometimes she gets lost between here and the house. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But uh, I love GPS. I went to Georgia recently, and I'm serving on a board with our denomination down there. And uh, boy, that GPS was just wonderful, wonderful. So God is our GPS. When it comes to where we are and where we need to go, he's our GPS. And if you're not connected to him and you're not walking in him and you're not praying and you're not spending time with him, then you are going to get lost as it relates to the purpose of your life, as it relates to your destiny. He is the one. Now, look, you can go to, to counselors and you can go to coaches, and, and I'm all for all that stuff. As a matter of fact, I am right now in the process of seeking out a personal coach for me because I know that what got our church to where it is today is not what will get us to the next level. So I've got to spend some time with somebody who can train me to be the kind of pastor I need to be to get our church to the next level. Amen, amen. So I'm not against other people. As a matter of fact, that's going to be part of my advice that you get with people who can help you. But you need to make sure those people know God that they know God and walk with God and they're not just giving you some fleshly, worldly system. Some of their principles might be right. Some of their principles might be okay as it relates to determining a path for your life. But God has to be involved because there is no other power of GPS in the world for you except God Almighty. And so you've got to determine where you are now and you determine that by spending time with God. And then question number two, what do I have to change? What do I have to change about 
where I am now in order to get where I want to be, or even better said, where I believe God is calling me to be. You need to ask yourself and be very honest, where am I financially? And what poor decisions have made me be where I am financially? What do I have to change to get where I want to go financially? Does this make any sense this morning? What do I, where am I emotionally? Where am I in my, in my mental state? Where am I? Have I gotten away from God? Has this caused me to be a doubter? Has this caused me to succumb to fear? Where am I emotionally? Where am I in my career? Where am I in my relationships? And of course, most importantly, where am I with God? Where am I spiritually? As a matter of fact, those other things that I mentioned will line up for you when you make your relationship with Him top priority in your life. And what I hope you will do is right now, this morning, on this awesome Sunday morning, decide that you are going to begin to pursue God as you have never pursued Him before so He can give you clear direction on where you are presently in the area of finances, emotions, career, relationships, parenting, marriage. Where is my current position? Where am I? How am I doing right now? What does my GPS say about where I am and where I need to go? Again, then you want to follow that up with what do I have to change? What do I have to change? You all know that everybody in the world has been given credit for this statement. I don't actually know who said it. Um, but you know the cliche. It's almost become a cliche. Uh, the height of insanity or the definition of insanity is doing the same thing you've always done but expecting different results. If you're going to do the same thing you've always done, you're going to get the same results you've always gotten. We have to be soft clay in the hands of our almighty potter and let him form us into the vessel he wants us to be. Maybe that's your first deal. Your heart is hard. Your heart is crusty. Maybe some bad things have happened to you in your life and the enemy has whispered to you that your life is never going to be any different. It's never going to be any better. You're just a loser. You're just a person who just never was intended to be blessed. You, God never intended to bless you. God never intended, you're just one of those people that kind of got left out. You're kind of like one of those people in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I would encourage you to jot that down and read it when you get home, that the world considers a nobody. That the world says you don't even exist, you don't even matter. And the enemy has spoken that into you. And maybe other people have spoken that into you. People in your life that are very influential in your life along the way. Maybe some school teacher or some pastor or some parent or some family member or some friend of yours, so-called friend, who has spoken into your life that other people were meant to be blessed, other people were meant to have things, other people were meant to know some success in this life, but not you. You're one of those people that got left out. Can I say something to you this morning about that? That is a lie from hell. The Bible tells us that God doesn't want to do you bad. He doesn't want to do you wrong. He wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you. 
He wants to even restore, the Bible tells us, what the, what the worms have eaten away in your life. And I know that's kind of graphic, but he will restore what maybe poor decisions in your life have caused you to be pushed back, knocked back. Maybe poor decisions in your life, um, uh, uh, poor relationships, poor choices. Maybe you're battling addiction. Maybe you're battling alcohol. Maybe you're battling something else, and you've made some poor decisions. Those things have held you back. I'm here to tell you today, God will restore back to you what you lost in those poor decisions. Hear the word of the Lord on this Sunday morning. He wants to help you. So what do I need to change about where I am in these areas? The first questions Abraham probably asked were something like this. Okay, where am I right now? Abraham probably, like me, said I'm getting old. <laughs> my son doesn't have any children. Most importantly, my son doesn't have a son. God's promised me this nation, that there's going to be a great nation that's going to come from me. So God says, uh, so Abraham says, what I, what, I've got to change something. He said, I've got to get my son a wife. I'd like for them to get married so I can get me some grandchildren. Let's look what Abraham uh, said or, or what the writer says in, in Genesis uh, uh, 24 and 1. Um, who wrote the book of Genesis? Y'all remember? Moses. He wrote the first five books of the Bible, and the first five books of the Bible are called the Pentateuch. Good. Uh, Genesis 24 1, Abraham was now old. And well advanced in years. And the Lord had what? Blessed him in every way. This means time's running out for old Abraham. That's where he's at. That's where Abraham is at. He's saying, where am I? Where am I? Before I can get where I need to go, where am I? Where am I presently? Where am I currently? He's running out of time. Abraham is. He's got to get things moving. So let me just push this point now. Whatever you intend to do, you need to get started today. I'm here today, hopefully, as a catalyst to get you. Some of you have thought, I'm going to read these books. I'm going to read. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to turn Facebook off. I'm going to turn off a bunch of other stuff. I'm going to get some things out of my life. I'm going to start focusing on some things that are going to make me the person I know God made me to be. And you've been putting it off, and you've been saying, one day, one day, one day, I'm here to tell you the time is now. There are two reasons that if you intend to do something better with your life, you need to get on it. Number one, reason number one, whatever you intend to do, you got to get on it. Everything takes longer than you think it will. Is that true? Especially if you're like Abraham and me. We're old in years. <laughs> it takes longer to do stuff than it used to. It takes longer to do things than you think it will. So the, the more you put it off, the further you're going to be from that place and the more time there's going to be between where you are and where you want to be. We procrastinate. We procrastinate. You say, I don't know what that word means. I don't either. I'm going to look it up later. Y'all get that? No, because you don't. You haven't looked it up yet either. Okay. You put things off. Then you decide, 
okay, I'm going to get started. Then you think you got plenty of time, and then you realize, I wish I got started on this earlier. So I want you to begin to make some decisions in your life right now that are going to open the door for God to reveal to you where you are currently in your life. Number two, we're not getting any younger. Just about the time when you, uh, just think about the times when you've said again, one of these days, one day, I'm going to get a round to it. I, I wish I had thought about it. I would love to give everybody a, y'all ever had one of these? A round, and then it has T-U-I-T, because everybody goes, I'll do it when I get a round to it. So what we might do next Sunday is pass out some little wood things that are round and have the word to it on it, and then you'll have a round to it, okay? And you can get busy. It's time to get started. You need to do it now. So I want to talk about these things. I want to talk, I want to help us all get started on where God wants us to take where God wants to take us this coming new year. And maybe you're saying right now, I don't want the new year to be like my last year. I don't know what kind of year you had last year. And uh, you might say, well, the way the world looks right now and the way things look in our country right now, I don't have a lot of hope. Here's the deal. You can either drift with the situation or you can set yourself to be intentional about your life. Because what, what do I tell you guys about drifting all the time? You never drift in the right direction. You always drift in the wrong direction. I'm calling on you this morning to be intentional about your life. Can I say this? Nobody else, guys, is going is to uh, uh, take the initiative to help you get from where you are to where you want to be. You've got to take that responsibility. You've got to take that responsibility. And we are living in a society that says uh, the, the message is being put out there too much that, hey, somebody's going to take care of you. Can I tell you? Can I say something to you? And I don't mean to hurt your feelings. You've got to take responsibility for your own life. And the way you do that is by, first of all, falling on your face before Almighty God and making yourself subject to Him and His power and His influence in you. Quit looking for somebody else to come along and find you drifting and go, okay, we're going to get this thing straight. you got to rise up. you got to make that decision to come before God and say, I don't want to go any further in the direction I'm going. As we study this passage, I believe God's going to help us find direction for some key areas in our life. So time's running out for Abraham. He's getting older. And uh, Isaac doesn't have a wife. And He's saying, I gotta get this goal, I gotta set this goal, and I gotta go after this goal. I gotta get my son a wife because I gotta have some grandchildren. Now, if you're here um, and you're my age or above, you might be thinking, I'm too old, Pastor, to be setting any goals for my life. Well, let me tell you how old Abraham was when he set these goals 115. So I guess when you turn 116, then you don't have to make any more goals. So we'll make that rule. We'll, we'll just let that be the overarching rule here at the church. Once you reach 116, this sermon doesn't apply to you anymore. Okay? So how many people hear that it still applies to? Well, good, awesome, wonderful. No matter what your age, I want you to hear me on this. I want my senior saints to hear me. No matter what your age, you will always need God-given dreams for your life. 
a God-given vision, a God-given goal for your life. If you don't have a dream, if you don't have a dream for your life, if you don't have a vision of where God wants you to go and who God wants you to be, then I want to tell you, you're not living, you're just existing. A person without a dream drifts, and you never drift in the right direction. If you're alive, everybody check your pulse, because <clears throat> I'm doubting a few of you right now. If you're alive, breathing, if your heart's beating, then God has a dream for your life. If you're alive, God is not finished. You say, what about those people that are up there in Kitty Askins? What about those people that maybe are unconscious because of a disease? I promise you, if there's a pulse in their body and they're living even in their suffering and even in their unconscious state, they're touching somebody's life. The Bible says it was in the death of Samson that more was accomplished than in all of his life. If you're alive, there's a purpose. If you're alive, there's a reason. God wants to do something great through you. But in order for you to get there, you have to determine your present position. Now, let me give you some things very quickly. We're going to go to this last slide. Guys, if you'll put that up. So here's the application. How do I determine where I am? We've already talked about it. First thing you got to do is you got to talk to God. You say, I know, Pastor, I feel my life drifting. I feel like I've, I've just never really accomplished what I was put on this earth to accomplish. I need to talk to somebody. Well, listen, before you call me, before you call any staff member, I want to know you've talked to him. You've got to talk to God. You've got to You've got to stop running through life. You've got to stop praying the same rope prayer you're praying over and over and over again. And you've got to sit down somewhere and get quiet. And you've got to have a conversation with the God who made you so he can speak into your life. The reason he said, I don't ever hear from God is because you're never with him. I'm not talking about church here. I'm not, this is wonderful. I love it when we all come together as children of God. But I'm talking about you in your alone time with God. You say, well, I'm not really good at that. Well, get good at it for two minutes. Work on it and get good at it for two minutes. Then two minutes will turn into five minutes. And five minutes will turn into ten minutes. And all of a sudden, because you've opened this floodgate, God begins to pour into your life guidance and direction and wisdom. And God begins to pour into your life things you've been trying to do on your own, and you keep messing up and dropping the ball and, and falling down. It's because you're making it based on your intellect, based on your reasoning, based on your experiences. I want you to get away from all that and let God speak directly to you, but you've got to spend some time with him if you want to hear from him. As a matter of fact, our next sermon series in the month of January is Hearing God. We're going to talk about how to hear from God. But you can hear from God before we get to that sermon series by spending some time with him. Number two, you've got to be honest. When God reveals to you where you are, you might not like what he shows you. You've got to be honest about where you are financially. You've got to be honest about where you are in your health. You gotta be honest about where you are in your marriage. You gotta be honest about where you are as a parent. You gotta be honest about where you are emotionally and mentally. And you've gotta let God speak into those areas of your life. 
So you got to have honesty. When God reveals something to you, it might be something you don't want to look at, but you've got to look at that and not pretend it's not there. You can't pretend when God points out something that's holding you back. You can't go, well, I'm not going to deal with that. You've got to get real with God. These are, this is how we find out where we are. So you got to pray, and then when God begins to reveal, and you got to be honest. Don't, don't pretend it in there. Number three, the weakest ink is better than the strongest memory. Write it down. As a matter of fact, what I would do is write down some headings on a piece of paper, finances, health, relationships, my career, my family. Some of you young people, yours will be different, like college and, and classes and what do I choose, where do I go. Uh, write down family. Write down family as a heading. Write down time. I don't know about you all, but I waste a lot of time. And then the important things that I needed to do, I didn't do it because I wasted my time doing stuff that wasn't important. It's good preaching. And then most important, there ought to be a heading that says, my walk with God. My walk with God. And then under that, under that, write down as you pray, as you pray, you look at these things you wrote down, and you might create other headings as you get closer to God. You look at these things every day. Every day. You need to have that in front of you so you can look at these headings in your life and pray over them every day. Look at this list that you've prayed about, and in honesty, God has given you a list. You write it down. You look at these things every day, and you pray. And then number five, talk to somebody. Talk to somebody who is maybe successful in some of the areas where you're struggling. And even if you have to pay for their time and say, I want to get my finances in order. We got people here at the church can help you. Get your finances in order. We, talk to somebody about your health. You men out there are so stubborn about going to the doctor. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to regret it, guys. You're going to regret it. You've got to take some steps. God wants us to be wise. He talks about our temple. He talks about caring for our temple. He talks about, he talks about finances. He talks about your mental state, your emotional state. When I list these things, I'm not talking about secular stuff that has nothing to do with God. These headings that I've mentioned to you, God talks about every one of them in the Bible. And I know some of you have got major struggles in your life. I've gone through major struggles. You guys know what Millie and I have been through. Uh, as a family, I'm, I'm no different than you all. I struggle with the thing, same things you guys struggle with. You know, my, my dad's very, very sick. And, uh, you know, we, I've battled cancer several times. You, and, uh, you know, our son Mitch is, is victorious right now. And he's been uh, walking victoriously since April. Amen, amen, amen. <clears throat> Mitch doesn't mind me telling you that he, he battled addiction. You all know that. And 
but he is, he's got his own place now, and he's getting a business established with his video. So we're praising God for a time in our life that we haven't enjoyed or seen in many, many years. But the only reason that's happening is because we didn't get up off our face. It's him. And we got other things in our life that we, that we're, we know. And, and I know personally, I, I keep throwing Millie in there, and she's like, hey, buddy, she's talking about you. Um, but there's stuff in my own life that I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I want to be on some things, guys. I don't stand up here as somebody who, under all those headings, I'm where I want to be because I'm the pastor and I have to have it all together. I don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. There, there, there are these headings that I have that I've written things under that I'm not even going to show her. So you sure ain't going to see them. That I'm praying for God to get me where I need to be. So I, I'm telling you, what we're going to talk about in this sermon series is going to bring breakthrough in your lives if you will listen to it and you will apply these nine things. And number one of the nine is you've got to determine where you are now if you're going to know how to get where God's calling you. Amen? Let's all stand together, would you?